Hi, I'm Brian Haynes, a member of the church at Pecan Creek. I want to take this moment to thank you for downloading and listening to the sermons of Pastor Trey Talley. I would also like to invite you to our grand opening service on Sunday, August 23rd at 10 a.m. at Pecan Creek Elementary School in Denton, Texas. For more information, visit our website at www.thechurchatpecancreek.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us, and God bless. Amen. You may be seated. I find it feeling almost like a Christmas Eve morning when I was a child, and, and we're just on the verge of something great. It's going to be a great morning. You know it's about to be something fantastic, and you're just hours away from it. And all week I found myself kind of feeling like that because uh, next week is our launch. Is at 10 o'clock, but uh, I really believe we have, we have such a great core group that has come together and has, has been preparing, and Brian working hard, the band working hard, the tech team working hard, everyone getting here early to set up, and this has been going on, you know, slowly developing for a year now, and finally, we're on the verge of something great. Uh, it is the birth of a new church, and I appreciate all of you who have committed to it, and you that are guests here tonight, thank you for coming and being a part of this service as well. It's kind of the, the beginning, but uh, next week, 10 o'clock, everyone knows it, we will be right here and everyone within about a six-mile radius from here has received one of these in the mail. And now we're actually on their radar. You might say we're actually fishing now. We do have a bait in the water. So until now, no one in this area has known that we even existed. We've just been doing these services on Sunday evenings like this. No advertisement. But the advertisements officially got in the mailboxes this week. Uh, 20,000 have been mailed out uh, Two weeks ago, they got this one, announcing the 23rd, 10 o'clock, grand opening, the church at Pecan Creek. And then Saturday, we handed out 3,000 of these in the area, all the apartments around and and homes. Uh, Grand opening, you're invited to it, the church at Pecan Creek, Sunday, August 23rd, 10 o'clock a.m. The website's there on the back. So the point is, around 20... Mm, 5,000 pieces have gone out. So we don't know what that's going to do, but we're at least, as I said, fishing. All right, We do have a bait in the water. We are a church meeting in the area now. Also, we have these on the table, and these are for you to use continuously. Keep in your billfold, uh, keep in your wallet, your purse, whatever you carry. You're invited Sundays, not just the 23rd, at 10 a.m. On the back, it has the directions and our website there as well. So on the way out... We have a lot of these left for anyone that would like to hit their neighborhood or to invite their friends. And make sure you take some of these to carry with you on an ongoing basis, all right? Since we do not have a permanent building, since we are meeting in a school, the only advertisement we have is what we do when we leave these walls. So open your mouth, invite, put it on social media, invite, 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 next Sunday, 10 a.m. We don't have any idea what to expect, but I know it's going to be great. I know there are visitors that are coming, and you know of people as, as well as I do that are coming. So it could be packed out. So I encourage you to kind of look around the room. Odds are this is going to be as empty as you will ever see this building from now on. I really expect uh, next week there's going to be a lot, a lot of people here. So we do praise God for that. And it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing to, to look back over the course of time to see how God has brought all this about, how he's brought you here and, and different people to here to do all this and to do all this and to build this. It's, it really is amazing to see God organizing and orchestrating and growing this body so that there will be a lighthouse here that we will evangelize the lost and that we will continue to equip the saints. 
Well, if you don't mind, go ahead and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 12 tonight. I thought it very fitting tonight to take of the Lord's Supper. It is our going to be, uh, odds are, one of our smallest Sundays from now on. And many of you have worked very hard and to make all this happen, to make this turn into a, a church, the church at Pecan Creek. So I thought it very fitting for us tonight uh, in an act of unison and remembering that why we do what we do. We don't do everything for this church. This church is not to receive the glory. We do everything that we do to give God the glory. And just to make sure that we keep that at the center tonight, I thought it would be great before we launch this new church next Sunday morning to always remember the reason that we do everything that we do, and it is for the glory of God. Let me open in prayer and we'll begin. Dear Holy Father, thank you so much for this time together to study your word, to come together as believers, to focus on your word, to focus on you. This life can be very distracting, different things distracting our minds, attention, and our hearts' affection every day. And we use this time, God, to focus on you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, Open our eyes, open our hearts as we study your word, and may we see truly this wonderful salvation that you have provided for us in Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 is where we're going to begin tonight. Now, to, to quickly summarize kind of where we're at in the book of Exodus, Israel was being, being held in slavery uh, by the most powerful nation there was there in Egypt. Moses and Aaron had uh, been instructed to lead Israel, to, to lead God's people away from there. They, of course, went to Pharaoh. We know the story. There were the 11 signs, 10 plagues, the first sign being the, the staff that turned into a snake. And uh, finally, though, we arrive here at the last plague that was going to come. And all these are sent by God. And this last plague would have to do with the firstborn uh, being killed in the family of those who did not have the blood of the lamb protecting them. The wrath of God, just wrath, they had sinned, they deserved death. We go back to the book of Genesis. There's nothing unholy or unjust about God's wrath. All humanity deserves his wrath. So he was going to pour out his wrath on Egypt. They were sinners. They deserved God's wrath. Israel was also a sinner as well. They deserved God's wrath. But we're going to find out something very interesting here. As God's wrath is poured out, only certain houses receive that wrath. Now, we look at this epic story in the book of Exodus. Epic historical story, absolutely real. But we're going to find tonight that it is also all pointing forward to another time. It's all pointing forward to the ultimate Lamb of God who is sent by God to shield us, to protect us, to take God's wrath from us. So it's going to be a lot of parallel, a lot of tie-in. And now if you were like I was when I was a kid uh, and and growing up on into adulthood, I, I might say as well, very seldom, and I can't remember, I was trying to think this week, if ever, uh, was, I, was I really told exactly what the Lord's Supper meant? Oftentimes they would just pick up on the night of Jesus' betrayal, and he said, take and eat and take and drink, and this represents my body and my blood shed for you, and understood that, but I didn't understand the historical context of it. I didn't understand the whole story. So tonight, I think it is good, and we'll do this quite often when we partake of the Lord's Supper, is to show the connection to the Old Testament, to show the connection of what Jesus is accomplishing way over here in the New Testament 
all the way back into the book of Exodus as well. So Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, let's read. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So he is beginning to introduce here. God is talking to Moses and to Aaron. We find that in verse 1 that something huge is about to take place. They are held as slaves by this domineering nation, the nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth at that time. Israel had absolutely no hope of getting out on their own. They had no, no, no weapons. They were weak. They were, they were kept in poverty. They didn't even have strength. They didn't even have power. They, they, were, they were extremely weak. They could do nothing. But God says, you must set my people free. I'm about to make you go free. And this was going to be such a big deal. Look at verse 2. This month shall be the beginning of months. There is a complete change now that is about to take place in their calendar. Uh, In other words, like January will no longer be January. It will not be the beginning of the year. New Year's Eve will not be December 31st any longer. That whatever is about to take place is so big that it recalendars their entire nation and that this day is going to reestablish everything because they are about to be set free. But here we see the introduction of this lamb. Here in verse 5, your lamb that you've, you've chosen shall be without blemish. We often hear this also, of course, of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, The lamb here was supposed to be physically without blemish. It had to be perfect. But then when we compare it to the lamb that God has provided ultimately for salvation, we have Jesus Christ who is without blemish. He is absolutely without sin. He is absolutely perfectly holy. So here we have this beginning of months that we see. Uh, When we compare this even to to our, our relationship with Christ, our salvation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we see a lot of these physical realities over here in the book of Exodus pointing forward. It's, it's a type and typology is kind of the way we refer to this. It's, it's pointing forward to some great event that is going to happen later on. They don't know all the details yet, but we look back and we can see it all unfold. But here we see even within our own salvation, there is a whole new calendaring of our lives. We have the before we're saved. We have the lamb who was sacrificed for our sin, our belief in him, our salvation. And now we have life afterwards. Now we are a brand new creation. The old has passed. The bondage to sin, the, the, the being dead in the flesh, following Satan, following the course of the world, following our flesh. And now we are regenerated. Now we are made new. Now we're saved. And we pursue Christ. We want to worship him, right? And we see this even with the nation of Israel. It is a brand new day, a new beginning. They are set free. And what are they commanded to do? They will go and worship God. All right, let's continue on. Verse 7, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost 
and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. All right, the doorpost is, is going to be the, the sides, of course, and the lintel across the top. There is supposed to be the lamb's blood on the sides and across the top. And they are to be shielded because of this blood. And there is one, the blood is, represents the doorway. Uh, we, we see this comparison also in the New Testament. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. The household, uh, we'll soon find out, is to enter into that room, into that house. They are to be protected by the blood that is on the outside. They have entered into safety. What is on the outside of that house is not safety. What is on the outside of that house is the wrath of God. And any departure out of that house, as we'll find out, they're told not to go out there because why? Because the wrath of God is there. They will not be protected behind the blood. So we see this also with Jesus Christ. All this is pointing, of course, forward again, forward to him. That Jesus says, I am the way, the only way. I am the door. I am the uh, life. No one enter, enters by, enters to my, comes to my Father except through me. So he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's exclusive. There is no other way. So it was here with Israel, right? There, it was the blood or the wrath of God. And so it is ultimately with salvation is the blood of God's chosen lamb for us or the wrath of God. Someone has to receive the wrath. Either the lamb receives the wrath of God or the person receives the wrath of God. Someone receives our wrath. There's no way for us to get to heaven because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have told lies. We are born sinners. Every single one of us have thought the wrong thoughts. We have done the wrong things. Every single one of us are guilty by nature and we sin actively all the time. All right? So we cannot get to heaven now. What do we do? We deserve the wrath of God. And that is the good news. That is the gospel that he has provided punishment for our sin on the ultimate lamb, the lamb of God, the perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this comparison, all right, before we take the Lord's Supper tonight. Let's continue on. Verse 8. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. All right, once again, we see that they must actually put the blood of this lamb that is sacrificed for their sins to, to replace them. This lamb receives the wrath. They are to become one with this lamb in the eating of this lamb. It is to represent them. It is a very special union that is there. It's not just a lamb was sacrificed and the lamb is discarded, but it is part of them. They have consumed this lamb. The lamb's blood is out there. And Jesus, even in his teaching, when we look over at John chapter 6, verse 48, I'm going to read some of this for you. I have a few on the slides up here tonight. But let me read this for you. John chapter 6, feel free to look at it. If you're making notes, you can look at it, look at it later. But as I begin to, uh, to read it, I'm sure it'll come to mind. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 52. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Question mark. 
So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, who is the Son of Man, it is Jesus, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true blood, uh, true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides in me, and I in him. What is he saying here, right? It's not literal. And they were taking him literally uh, as if he was some, explaining something cannibalistic. And he's not. But what he is doing, even at this point, is comparing himself to this lamb that was sacrificed, to the lamb that that household consumed. They became one with this lamb. This lamb would take their sins. And here he is saying, this is me. I am the method of salvation. I am the one who takes away your sins. I will be the one that you must consume of, the one that must be sacrificed. And unless you take of my flesh, unless you take of my blood, you will not be saved. Salvation is not based on our goodness. It's not based on what we do. It is based on what Jesus Christ has done. It is all based on his perfect life, his sinlessness, and him being the son of man, him being the true savior. Let's carry on here. Verse, uh, where am I at? Uh, verse 12. Let me skip on over here for a moment. Verse 12. For I will uh, pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. What is going on here? Here we see this. What, what is going on? And we look back at verse 11. I'm sorry I skipped over that one. But in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste as the Lord's pass over. So what we, we see this fully explained here that God's wrath... It's coming down. And mankind in this area right here is about to be perfectly, righteously, holy judged. They are sinners. They deserve wrath. God could have easily wiped the entire nation of Egypt out. Could have wiped the entire nation of Israel out if he chose to do, to do this. It would have been just. But he does not. He chooses to take the firstborn of each house who is unprotected. But what is the sign? They're, they're, they're to eat this in haste, meaning very, very quickly. Why are they to eat this quickly? Why are they commanded to be dressed for departure as they take of this meal? What's well, easy for us to look back at the event. They did not know exactly what was going to happen, how massive this was going to be. But they were about to be completely set free. And they were to be dressed, ready to go. Because the bondage of sin, of this slavery, was ended. It was about to be over, and they were going to be radically set free. Even, even with this, we see this comparison also with our salvation. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So we have this freedom now that we were once held by our captive. We were once held down by sin. We were once held down by Satan himself. But now we have been set free because Christ has ultimately spiritually set us free. So now we've been regenerated. Now we pursue after God. Now we had put away sinfulness in our lives. So this blood, verse 13, uh, says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. We can't, we can't get over this point too quickly. Uh, who and what is passing over them? It's very important to understand it is the wrath of God that is about to pass over them. God is passing over them in judgment. Death and judgment for sin is coming on their homes. Let us never forget that all of them deserved punishment. We deserve punishment. Salvation is a pure act of God's mercy. And here, God lets the Israelites know where that mercy can be found. How were some passed over and the Egyptians were not? Uh, Why would the Lord pass over them? We look back at verse 13. What's going to be the key? The blood. The blood. The only way that they would not receive the wrath of God is if the lamb was sacrificed for their sin and if they were sheltered by the blood. Uh, the, the wrath of God that was coming through would not go into the home. Pay close attention to this. It would not go into the home to see who deserved to be saved, who was living the best life they possibly could. It did not go into each home to see who had sinned the very least and those people were rescued. What did they come down to? The lamb. It all evolved around the lamb. That lamb was the center of everything. Salvation, lamb sacrifice. No salvation there, if there's no lamb. If salvation or not is based on the lamb. Was the lamb sacrificed? Are they protected? And so it is with us. God does not go into our lives and say, this person deserves salvation. They're better than some. This person has, has sinned far less than others. Oh, this person helps more elderly across the street than others do or whatever. Whatever it is you think. Many people think God's going to weigh everything out on, on some kind of scale system. Were they good enough or were they not? No, it comes down to lamb. Was the lamb sacrificed for your sins? Are you included in that? Is your belief, is your trust, is your faith in the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for your sins? Verse 13, what is going to be the sign for God's wrath to pass over them? Pass over and not go in? Pay close attention to that. Pass over. God's wrath is going to avoid them. It is not going to go into their home. It is going to pass over them. What is the sign? The sign is the blood. The blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Does that sound familiar? Of course it does, right? Peter is drawing here from the Old Testament. He is showing that, that we have been ransomed. Ransom is being bought back. When you had absolutely nothing, when they, you could do absolutely nothing, like the Israelites, they were held, they were captive, they had no weapons, they were kept weak, they were kept mal- malnourished even. They could not do anything to muster up their strength, to set themselves free. They couldn't buy their way out. There's nothing they could do, but they were ransomed from the outside. Someone with greater wealth or greater power has removed them from that bond of slavery they were in. And what do we find here in First Peter? It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, that is what we were ransomed from. So again, we see this constant comparison in the New Testament back to what is happening here in Exodus. One is a physical reality. The other is much better. Much higher. It's a spiritual reality of what happens when the Lamb of God is sacrificed for our sins. Carry on uh, in Exodus there. Verse 14 says, This day shall be for you a memorial day. 
and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. So what is going to go on is this mega huge event that recalendars everything. Where, where the supernatural wrath of God comes down. And the supernatural act of salvation is performed. That, that God's wrath will not enter into their homes. And that they are about to be set free. This is supposed to be such a big deal that every single year they are to celebrate it. Every single day, single year, it is to be a memorial. Something to remember. That they are never to forget the time where they were held in bondage, the time where they could do nothing, and then they were set free supernaturally by God. So every generation would be taught this. Every single year, this was, you might say, their Christmas. This was the biggest day on the calendar. Everything centered around this day because this was the beginning of them. This was huge. So every year it was taught. Every year homes would, would share these elements. They would share the land. They would share the bread. They would share these bitter herbs. Every single year this was done. Every single year the homes households would say the same things. It was scripted almost. The same thing was passed down generation after generation after generation after generation. Let's fast forward here to verse 21. I'll get back to why it's important in just a moment. Then, I'll skip over a little, sorry, going down to verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. He's passing the instructions to them now. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter into your houses to strike you. All right, why should they not go out of their house? It's very clear at this point. God has made it clear. Lamb, blood sacrifice, you've taken of the blood, you've taken, taken of this animal in, into yourself, you've done this, you're protected by the lamb. Outside the house, God's wrath. Are you behind the blood or are you going to receive God's wrath? It all comes down to the lamb. It says, do not even go out of your house. Don't even, do. there is no other way for salvation. That night, Israel was given one exact method of salvation. If one of them decided to be creative and try some other way, uh, what would happen to them? They would receive the wrath of God. So it is with us. Jesus, God's ultimate lamb that he has provided, it is exclusive. If we try humanity to, to come out of that house and to avoid God's wrath in our own way, we try to come out the door and outrun it, try to do whatever we can do. We try to be good enough. We try to, to deny that God's wrath is really there. Whatever it is, we're going to face the ultimate wrath of God spiritually for all of eternity in a place called hell. God has given us one method of salvation, Jesus Christ. He gave the Israelites one method of salvation that night, the lamb that was sacrificed for their sins. We have the lamb of God who has been sacrificed for our sins. It is exclusive. One way, one salvation, the lamb must be sacrificed. Uh, did God 
Go into each house and determine if they were worthy to be saved or given wrath. We've covered that. Absolutely not. It was based on the blood. Let's continue down. Verse 24, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. What was, what, were they, what was going on? Remember, God's wrath, the Lord's wrath, was passing over them. It was skipping them. They deserved it. They knew it. They were sinners. But it was going to be passed over, passing over them. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads, and they worshipped. Verse 28. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So here we have this epic event, and we know the end of the story. We know what happened that night. God's wrath was poured out on the nation, and it was fulfilled exactly as God said it would. Uh, the wrath entered into the homes of the Egyptians. The firstborn died. The ones who were protected by the blood, the wrath did not go into. The lamb had served as a substitute to take the wrath of God. And those who had a substitute, the lamb was punished, and they were rescued. The blood, the lamb, the life that was sacrificed protected those who were inside. So this continues on. We see year after year, generation after generation, they're told to do this, they're told to say this. Why? Because not only was it a great physical salvation, but also because of what it's pointing to what we are about to do tonight. So let's fast forward now. Turn with me over to, go ahead and turn, if you don't mind, to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 26. And here we find Jesus about to partake of the Lord's Supper with his disciples the night of his betrayal. Matthew chapter 26. Let me start at verse 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, go into the city, take a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Now, verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and then, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now pay attention to what is going on here. Over 1200 years have gone by. And this was to be a memorial that was passed down year after year after year after year. The same exact thing was said when everyone took the Passover. The very same elements were shared. And it was a reflection of what had happened. This great physical salvation of the nation of Israel. And it was all designed to look back on that day. To look back on that day. And what does Jesus do? It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's amazing. It's, it's, it, he opens their eyes here. It says... They're doing the same thing they've done forever. These men are 30, 30, 40, whatever years old. They've done this ever since they were kids. Every single year, the same thing is said. Every single year, the same elements mean the same thing. And now Jesus says, take, eat. This is my body 
They've never heard this before. That you're, this is your, take the, what, what is he saying? He is telling them, I am that lamb. I am the lamb. Everything that you've been doing since you were a child, everything that's gone on for these last 1,200 years was all pointing to this ultimate salvation that you are about to be a part of. It is my blood. It is my flesh. I am that lamb. And there, now there's going to be an entire new covenant for this is my blood of the covenant. Wow. So he is making a covenant. We've covered this before. It's an agreement between two or more persons. Uh, uh, here we have a covenant that is made with Israel. If we go way back, this covenant has to do with them and God. They, of course, continued to break that covenant. They could not keep that covenant. But here we see this, this new covenant that is going to be, has been alluded to by the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31, that a new covenant was coming. And this covenant would not be based on whether they could keep it or not. This covenant would be based on one who would keep the covenant for them. Absolutely perfect. We cannot. Adam could not keep a covenant. Uh, Abraham could not keep the covenant. Israel could not keep a covenant. We need a covenant keeper. And in Jeremiah and over in Hebrews uh, chapter 8, we see this. And this, this covenant is explained. And Jesus here is doing it for them. He is making a new covenant. And he is the one in charge of keeping this covenant. Keeping this promise for us. So that our salvation is based in him. It's based in his flesh, his blood. His covenant that He is making with those who trust and believe in Him with God. We see this, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. I believe you have it on the screen. It says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. If you're making notes, make a note of that. All right, This is a great one to always reflect on when we take of the Lord's Supper. When we think of all the history that's gone into this. We think of the book of Exodus. We think of Israel coming out. We think of God's wrath passing over those homes where the lamb was sacrificed. And here, Paul says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So how can we avoid the wrath of God for all of eternity? There must be a Passover lamb. There must be one more powerful than the lamb that was in the field, that was selected, that was without blemish. There has to be one who is man. There has to be one who is God. We have the God-man, the Savior, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 29 and 30, we have that announcement. In the book of Malachi, one of the last prophecies God gives uh, to Malachi is that there is going to come a messenger that is going to announce the Messiah. And we have this with the opening of the New Testament that we have this messenger that comes. We refer to him as John the Baptist, but he fulfills that messenger role. He is the messenger that was coming to announce the Messiah, to announce the Christ, to announce the Savior. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, here we have the messenger's words that was supposed to come as a herald, a mouthpiece to announce that the Savior had come. This is what he says. John says, uh, the next day... He saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Here we have the announcement. Who is Jesus? He's not just a good man. He's not just a prophet. He is the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. 
This is who, John goes on to say, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Uh, John was born first. Jesus was born later. John was older than Jesus. But here we see he's letting them know that this is one who ranks before me, even though I was born before him, because he is eternal. Jesus is not just a man. Here he is letting us know that he is actually deity. He is God who has put on flesh, who has become the ultimate Lamb of God that will take away our sins. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Simple verse, but it says this, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. And indeed, this is what we see as we study the Word of God, that there is one single method of salvation, and it is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of all who believe, of all who trust in Him, who are behind the blood who are sheltered behind the blood. Has someone received the wrath that you deserve for your sins? Or are you still under the wrath of God? This is a very important question to ask. Tonight, in in just a few moments, I'm going to continue to to finish the sermon, but we're going to take of the Lord's Supper, and we are going to do so tonight, and, and we're going to remember what this sacrifice represented to the nation of Israel. But more importantly, we realize what this represents. It represents the one who died on the cross for our sins. The flesh, the blood of Jesus Christ himself. And tonight we take and we eat. And it represents the unison, the unity that we have with our Lamb, with the Savior, Jesus Christ. And tonight if you are a believer, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your belief is centered on the blood, is centered on him and his life, his perfect life, the blemishless life of Christ, then tonight you're welcome to take of that. If not, as they pass the bread, as they pass the juice in just a moment, just skip over that and let it pass to the next person. But I'm going to have my friends, several men from the church, go ahead and pass that out tonight. And uh, they are going to pass it out as it comes by. Just take one of each. And in just a moment, we'll take of that together. Thank you guys for doing that for me. Um, let me just hit a few highlights here of this passage in the book of Matthew. If you're already turned there, just stay where you're at. Matthew chapter 26, verse 29. Many people, many times I know growing up, I didn't catch this. But Matthew 26, verse 29 says this, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here we have this beautiful passage, uh, uh, something that is going on, the Passover, that throws them back in the past. It lets them remember what went on. It is also foretelling of what is about to take place the very next day that Jesus is giving his life, giving his blood, giving his flesh for their salvation, that he is the Lamb of God that's come to take away their sins. He is about to receive the wrath that they deserve so that they will be passed over. But also, look at this. It's also pointing forward. So when we take of the Lord's Supper, as he was doing with his disciples there that night, this this meal, this symbolic meal that we are taking, also looks forward to our final, ultimate glorification when we are with God, we are with Jesus, and we eat with him once again in his presence. So as we take of this tonight, let's remember the past. Let's remember what happened there with Israel. Most importantly, let's remember what happened on the cross. And let's also remember that if we have been saved, if we have been rescued, then it is for eternity. 
and that he holds us in his hands and nothing can draw us out, nothing can pull us out, that we are his forever. And we have this assurance as he gave to his disciples that night that they will eat with him again. And as well, we will too. So tonight, a few questions just to think about. Are you behind the blood? Are you in the shelter? Are you in the protected area where God's wrath is not getting to? And the only way that is going to happen is if you all have trusted in Jesus Christ. If that salvation in the blood, in the Lamb, has occurred for you. Have you trusted in Him? Are you in the new covenant? Have your sins been paid for by another? If so, we rejoice. And we rejoice in such a way that words cannot even express it. That we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when this life is over, we stand before God, who is righteous, who is holy. Every sin must be punished. But think of this. We have no fear of that because our sins have been punished. The wrath of God has passed over us because someone else has taken our place. The lamb that was sacrificed for our sin. Let me read this and we'll take of the Lord's Supper tonight. Now as they were eating, straight from Matthew 26 again, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood, for shedding your flesh, for being our substitute, for taking the wrath that we deserve so that we may be passed over so we do not receive the wrath. Thank you, God, for sending the Lamb that would take away our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may take of it. God, we cannot thank you enough, and there's no words, there's no imagination that is creative enough to truly bask on this and get the full scope of it, that the wrath we deserved for our sin our fallenness, our rebellion against you, that you are going to pass over what we, we deserve it, but yet you've provided a lamb who was sacrificed in our place so that we could be set free from the bondage and slavery of sin, that someone has paid the ransom for us, and that is you, the creator of the universe, the creator of all who we have sinned against. You give us mercy through the lamb that you provided. God, we don't deserve this. We deserve wrath, but you give us mercy. And this is the gospel. And we rejoice. We give you all praise. We give you all glory that you have brought salvation to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.